Hi there, welcome to Dose of Unity. I'm Diane. Capriana. And so today we're actually talking about a little bit uh, heavier subject, mental health and addiction. And this is taken from all the different work that we've done over the last um, few years, learning about all different angles of uh, mental health and how it can lead to addiction. <clears throat> we do want to mention that we're not experts. So we are here just to kind of have a conversation and have people consider this information a little bit differently than they might have before or help them to understand, you know, uh, what to do in certain circumstances. Yeah. So why are we talking about this? What is it? Um mean for unity and how is it tied to the whole concept that we're, we're working with here. Um, I see it twofold. Um, I, we can't be united if we're in a mental space um, that doesn't allow us to achieve unity. Um, and it, it does take work. It takes focus. It takes uh, mental and emotional and physical clarity. So if you're in the depths of a real, really bad mental struggle or in the throes of addiction, um, it's going to be really difficult for you to do that hard work to really get into the unification space. And that's, you know, that's, that's your journey. And that's something that we love to see people helping other people working through. Um, and also from a different angle, these major issues give us all something to unite over, to band together, to help one another get over their problems. These issues are, are pervasive in society right now. We, we hear about it. The addiction crisis is just skyrocketing and continuing to skyrocket. Um, and the same thing, with, with mental health. Um, I think that, that we, we've really gotten to a, a point in society where we, we need to intervene. We need to come together and we really need to intervene on ourselves. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, you know, like the statistics <clears throat> that you pulled up in terms of uh, since COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to, to cite the statistic and we'll put the all of the citations in in whatever caption or um, anywhere that we need to. But according to the, the World Health Organization, there's been a 13 percent uh, increase in mental health conditions and substance use disorders in the last decade. So it's, it's not even just the past couple years alone. That's in the past decade. Um, around 20% of the world's children and adolescents have mental have a mental health condition uh, with taking of one's life being the second leading cause of death among, among 15 to 29 year olds. Uh, depression and anxiety alone cost the global economy um, $1 trillion in, in US dollars each year. Mm -hmm. Year. So it, this it's, it's huge. And for, for taking your own life to be a, the leading cause of death for such a young demographic is it should be frankly very scary to all of us. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's uh, it's something that since we started looking into this um, too with our work uh, prior to COVID even hitting, uh, it's 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 tough to be a young person these days, and uh, it's it's hard for them to um, to find hope. And <clears throat> what we found is that it does touch everyone, whether it is personally themselves, or if it's something that they care about or love, it's a conversation that we have to have. It, it used to be kind of taboo to, um, to bring it up. And, and what surprises me too is uh, the, the folks that I talk to, you know, kind of in my, my generation um, and them, themselves as well as any of their children. And they would explain how, um, how difficult it's been for their child. And uh, so I think that's important. And then also, as you mentioned earlier about coming together on how to get to the root of the issue, uh, it's when you start to dig a little bit deeper of the root of the issue, 
it is, um, that's when you start to realize, as, again, as you mentioned earlier, that we really do need to figure this out collaboratively uh, because there are, everybody's suffering in some way for the most part. A yeah. lot of people are, but particularly yeah. people who um, are vulnerable anyway, yeah. it's, it's that much harder for them. So, um, and then people have different perspectives on this too. I mean, there's, there's, you know, the hard approach, there's, um, there's the gentle approach and everything in between. The religious and approach. The religious approach. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's different for every person. Every person is, is, uh, is different. Some people, you, you need them to know that they're not alone and you're there for them, mm -hmm. that you believe in them and all that, yes. that sort of thing. Uh, and otherwise, um, you know, the, the come on, we're going to get up and we're going to go do this or whatever, the harder approach. But, uh, but yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's, and you mentioned earlier how it's been stigmatized and we've been talking a lot about it in society for the past several years now. So we're really working on breaking down the stigma. Um, and so we, we need to normalize those conversations. We need to normalize knowing what to look for and how to help and what resources are available, um, you know, locally for you. Um, or even you know nationally, there's there's plenty of huge organizations who have who are trying to tackle these issues. Addiction um, and mental health are very closely linked, um, so it, it's it's something that we really need to prioritize as well as normalize. Um, I mean, like I said, they go hand in hand. They're they're you know people who struggle with mental health issues might struggle because they have a substance use disorder, and vice versa. You know, they might have given themselves a mental health um, issue by using a certain substance, um, or just from being in the throes of addiction while being vulnerable and having to deal with homelessness or hunger or unfortunately a lot of trafficking um, happens in those spaces too, like um, like we kind of uh, have done work on in the past. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, I, I guess my question to you, Diane, because I know you've had a lot of, probably a lot more <laughs> hands-on um, work with these sort of things where, Where's the hope at? Where can we find that hope? Things feel very divided. Um, this issue is so much bigger than I think so many of us know. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's it's been a challenge because, uh, you know, like you said, the divide, and so then people are trying to figure things out on their own, and uh, and there's a lot going on in the world that. You know, especially for young people, they're they're constantly being bombarded with with news and, and difficult um, situations all the time. And I think that uh, if people realize there has been since the history of time things to be concerned and worried about, but unfortunately, because it's in our face all the time, it can be it can be a lot to deal with. Uh, I know for for me personally, if I'm going through a tough time my faith is what I hang on to. And that just sustains me and helps me to kind of ride the wave um, in those situations. But, but yeah, anything can derail somebody, right? If, if there's something going on in their life and um, they get to a point that uh, they're going through difficulty and then from there it can spiral into the addiction issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it is important for everybody to acknowledge um, what is going on in the workplace, school, uh, different nonprofits, and uh, having a way to connect with the folks and the people that you care about in a way that's going to uh, let them know that they're not alone and give them yeah. resources. So we'll get into that a little bit more um, as we go through here. And uh, and I did want to ask you, Capriana, you've, you, 
you have a story that, that you are willing to share. Um, and part of this is, is also helpful for those listening and watching for you to know that, um, that we get it, you get it, but you, do you want to share a little bit about your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Diane said, this is something that, you know, touches a lot of us. Um, most of us statistically. Um, and I am in that 15 to 29 age, age range. I am on the older end of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've struggled my entire life with, with mental health issues. Um, in my early 20s, I struggled with um, addiction as well, drugs, alcohol, the whole thing. I was really, I was out of control. I, I was so lost. I felt so hopeless. I was so insecure. I had no idea the damage I was doing to myself and I just, I kind of just gave up. I kind of just gave up. There are things that um, I did that looking back on them, you know, I was, a, I was mean. I was a, an absolute bully. And, and this is from even just being not an adult. This was, you know, going back to whatever, because I had those things um, done to me. And I have other stories that I'll share um, that kind of more specifically created this situation, but they're at in my loneliest hour when I was in my 20s, um, and even prior to that, there were so many times that I tried to take my own life. I ended up in the hospital twice, um, being <laughs> locked in there. I know a lot of millennials and uh, people who have gone through trauma like to sometimes maybe make a little bit of a joke about their trauma just to, you gotta laugh it off sometimes. So I am a certified part of the grippy sock club, as they say, two times over. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, laughing just helps me helps me get through it. Um, but but yeah, the, the several different um, physicians that I saw, um, I was diagnosed early on with PTSD from a situation that happened. Um, lots of other disorders that have been uh, subsequently piled on. You know, of course, depression, anxiety, those types of things that a vast majority of a majority of us struggle with, and sometimes we don't even know we struggle with because we're <laughs> trying everything we can to cope. But yeah, it, it really, it took so much work and it took me staring myself in the mirror one day and I don't even know how I, how I was able to snap out of it. Honestly, I, in my personal opinion, I believe it was divine intervention. That's the only way um, for me to see that it was, it was such a black and white change literally overnight, um, just looking at myself in the mirror and realizing that this is not the person that I want to be, mm -hmm. realizing where I was, um, waking up half the mornings not knowing if my purse was there or where I was last night. Um, there was an instance where I was at, um, there are a couple different instances I was at. Um, I was out with friends at bars. They left me. Um, I had drinks that were, something was put in them. Um, I, I was just, I, I was given substances and I was, I didn't care. Um, I actually, <laughs> I had one time I was out with a friend where um, just this random person walked up to me and said, hey, you don't look like you're having fun. And so he handed me this little bag and I just did it. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what it was. Didn't care. Didn't care. I was so, I was so gone mentally and emotionally. And I was just trying to do anything I could to numb the pain, to not be myself, to not be present in that moment that I didn't care. I didn't, mm -hmm. for all we could have known, it could have been fentanyl. I wouldn't have been here. Right, you know, that's right. something that's happening really to people. So mm -hmm. for me to be on this side of things, I feel very blessed. I feel very privileged because there are so many people with a similar story to me who aren't. Yeah. So I am very, very close to this issue and I'm very, very passionate about this issue. Um, you know, thank God I was I was able to get out of that and 
Um, you know, I didn't do any permanent damage to my, my life, myself, my, my record. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I'm married and I have kids. I, I have mm -hmm. a life that I always dreamed of having, but never thought I could have. So, yeah. And, and seeing that it's possible. And like you said, getting to the other side. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's and get help. And, and get help. Like, and, and, truly, yeah. I, had to, I had to drag myself and claw myself into the into the therapy room because I didn't trust therapists at that point. Mm -hmm. I had gone through a, a million of them, didn't trust any of them, um, didn't think that they were helpful to me for the by and large until I, I started seeing one who who was kind of helping me work through the the nastiest of it. And she was awesome. So well, and that's you the thing. find she, your fit, but get yeah, help. Find your fit. And I think that's that's what I hear from people a lot, too, is is, oh, I tried it, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't want to try it again. And it everybody's different. Every therapist is different. Um, every counselor is different. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you might um, find the one that can really um, help a lot. But uh, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's, that's really challenging. And, and, uh, you know, I know you and I've talked a little bit about some of it um, in the past. And, uh, and I, you know, we've talked about the fact that in my case, I've loved people that have gone through this. Uh, and um, I know that's very difficult too, if you're listening to this. And, um, and if you have someone that you care about or love, a family member or friend who um, you're trying to help them and you don't know how to, and, and it really does come to that person getting to a point that they have to be ready. Like you said, oh, and, absolutely. you know, in, in the meantime, you can continue to offer them resources to do what you can do um, and, and make sure that in the process, you're not getting sucked in so much that, that it's hurting your own life as well. Right. At that, that balance. And I, I know we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so I guess that is a good segue into what you've, you've seen and what you've noticed and how, how can things spiral out of control? How do people know that it, that's happening? And what are what are some consequences that you've seen happen when, like I was, you you you're just manic basically. Mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. just doing anything you can to maybe maintain, but if you don't, then whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. As far as how things can spiral, I think, like you said, it starts with getting to a point that you just don't care what happens to you, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you if you see somebody or are around somebody that is doing that, you know, checking in with them and in um, realizing that you just just you reaching out, even if they don't respond, I mean that's something else to to consider. Sometimes people are going through real difficult times. They don't they don't respond to you. Don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you know where they're at, and so continue to to just. Let them know you're there, that you love them, that you care about them. Um, and, and again, providing them with the resources, offering to take them to the counseling appointment, offering to be with them to make the phone call and things like that helps because it's overwhelming for them at that stage. If they are um, in such a, a deep, dark place that they can't get up to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other thing, too, I think that's you'd mentioned kind of joked around that yeah. uh, as far as, you know, you weren't arrested or anything like that, or, you know, that obviously a lot of very bad things can happen when somebody's under the influence of, of substance, uh, substances and not know what's going on or what's right. happening to them. And, uh, you know, you could do something that you wake up the next morning regretting, yep. whether it be, you know, I, 
talked to some people that it's like, you just pray to God you didn't drive and yep. kill somebody, you know, something like that. And I've actually know of a person who woke up to a situation in a drug situation that uh, the person that they were doing drugs with did not make it, you know, and so then they were yeah. the ones supplying. I mean, just the stories jeer. And I worked as a, um, a chaplain for a bit too. So some of these things I've heard through that, but it's, um, I think realizing that you don't want that to happen. You don't want to wake up in jail. You don't want to wake up and realize something really scary had happened, or you have said something that you don't know to your loved one or somebody you care about um, and pushing them away, right? Which yep. is normal, but, uh, but that regret. So sometimes looking at that seriously and realizing the consequences of staying in that, in that place yeah. is uh, very detrimental to you and people around you. So sometimes that could be enough to say, okay, I'm going to get some help and this has to change. And I would encourage you guys to seek out those stories because it makes it, it's, it's very different hearing that those stories exist and looking someone in the face who has been in that situation. I remember back in high, uh, in high school in one of our social issues classes, we went to um, a local minimum security prison and spoke to a few of the the inmates mm -hmm. had some questions for them and one of the guys you he was like an engineer before mm -hmm. and he had one night of partying and he killed somebody and now he's now he's in jail and he yeah. he was an engineer he had a great life he made a very poor decision and it was one of those situations where yep he woke up in mm -hmm. jail was told he killed i think two people in, in an accident that he caused. And something I learned from, you know, working in, in the medical field is some, most of the, I want to say most of the time, um, a lot of the time, the person who is driving drunk makes it through the accident. That's just some, their bodies go limp mm -hmm. because of the alcohol or the substance. So uh, that's something to think about as well, is that you're, you're, you're solely, you're not, you're endangering your own safety, of course, but Mm -hmm. You have a higher likelihood of making it out. Of course, if it's catastrophic, it's catastrophic. Um, but that's something to think about too. So yeah, seek out those stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if it's just YouTube, L look mm -hmm. these people in the face, listen to their words, truly heed their warnings. Um, and this is going directly to young people as well. You're not indestructible, period. I thought I was. I really, I tried everything to convince myself that I was not indestructible. And for God wanted me here, he did. But he snapped me out of that mode pretty quickly because I'm not indestructible. And I now on this side again, very well could have been any of those people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Well, and so let's talk a little bit about, you know, again, going back to kind of the signs mm -hmm. and um, when to call 911 versus when to, to call like for yourself, as sure. well as if you're with somebody who is out of control. I'll, I'll say that just because sometimes it's kind of what's happening. And yep. I know that that's a question that I've had a lot uh, in the course of, of my career and the work that I've done too is, what do I do if my friend is completely out of control? You know, and, and there has been situations where uh, if they have a run-in with the police or with law enforcement and the law, people that are police, they don't know what they're dealing with sure. a lot of times. If somebody is under the influence of, of drugs mm -hmm. and completely out of control and you know, and we know all too well what can happen uh, and they need to um, 
trying to figure out again, the friend need to try to figure out what do I do? You know, if I call 911, is something bad going to happen to my friend? Or is there another phone number to call? And I know we've, we've researched this too. And there is other information that somebody can kind of guide you and try to help you deescalate the situation or get your friend to a safe place. Um, But then there are times that you have to call 911 and uh, trying to, trying to be that person in between the 911 mm-hmm. um, operator and explain to them the situation so they can explain that to the police when they come or um, to whoever's coming to your help uh, so they, they understand what's happening. So the police can go in with some knowledge, right? So you can be helping in that way. Um, but do you want to share a little bit more about kind of the signs that people should look forward to is from a more of a mental health perspective? Yeah, um, of course, from just to touch on the addiction side as well, of course, we know when to call 911 if someone's actively overdosing, if you're, you're seeing those kinds of symptoms. I, we did, um, if you go to doseofunity.com slash take action under our addiction page, I believe we have some information on Narcan. If we don't, we'll put it up there right away. Um, that's something that you should educate yourself about as well. It is becoming way more commonly mm-hmm. available by prescription uh, or not. I don't even think it's by prescription. I think you can just kind of mm-hmm. go in and ask or insurance. There's yeah. something like that. We'll, but we'll, we'll post that. So of course, addiction crisis, somebody actively overdosing, um, that is a 911 call immediately. Mm-hmm. As far mental health can be a little bit more complex because it, it's different in everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone shows signs of, um, kind of being at the end of their rope in different ways. Uh, so these are these are signs specifically for people, again, who are at that point where they're just done, they're going to take their own life. Um, and this is, again, pervasive, ish- pervasive issue, second leading cause of death in 15 to 29 year olds. So listen up for sure. Um, so this is according to the National Institutes of Mental Health. So uh, some signs, uh, talking about wanting to die, you know, that's, Kind of number one, uh, if somebody's actively telling you that they want to die, they're going to die. They want to do it themselves. Um, significant guilt or shame. You know, somebody who's just past their limit of being able to forgive themselves for something, or mm-hmm. is so um, showing a lot of self hate um, to an excessive amount, or being a burden to others. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of people I know our, us as a millennial generation, and a lot of you will remember or will. Will be able to uh, feel this too. Is um, even if somebody makes a mistake around me, or if somebody hits me with their cart, I'm the one that apologizes. <laughs> if a, if a waiter dumped a plate of spaghetti on my lap, I'd probably apologize and think that it was my fault. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I must have it's done something. Oh my God. Yeah. So um, exactly. But it's somebody who's who's genuinely in that space of feeling like they just absolutely there's nobody that wants them here. They are a burden mm-hmm, to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Showing feelings of emptiness, hopelessness, um, being extremely sad increasingly anxious or showing agitation or rage. So we all know a lot, sorry, about how anxiety presents. You know, some people are really, really nervous. Some people are panicky. Some people are sad. Some people are, you know, rage filled. So that's kind of those types of feelings there um, at an extreme level and then severe mood swings. And that's not, you know, we, there's a lot of going around um, and diagnosing other people with things. People like to throw out, oh, he's bipolar, oh, he's mm-hmm. OCD without having any, those words mean things and it's clinical. Um, so people who aren't clinically diagnosed with something actively getting treatment who are who are exhibiting these signs. Um, changing behavior, this is a big mm-hmm. one too. Changing behavior, um, such as taking a particular interest in death or researching ways to die, withdrawing from friends, uh, saying goodbye, giving away important mm-hmm. items, making a will, 
taking dangerous risks like driving super fast, um, eating and sleeping, eating or sleeping more or less, using drugs or alcohol more often. Um, and the, a big one that isn't talked about, um, that is talked about with relation to addiction um, is pink clouding or the pink cloud syndrome. And if you're a fan of Law & Order SVU, like I am, you may have heard of that term um, from uh, Detective Olivia Benson. But um, according to the Pink Cloud Foundation, like there's an entire foundation based around this. Um, and again, it is closely connected to addiction. Um, but in relation to mental health, oh, so I actually, I did write this down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So according to them, pink clouding is a state of mind characterized by sudden joy, euphoria, and overconfidence. So that's, um, it's connected to the early stages of recovery and sobriety uh, when people feel like they're in those early days, they're feeling really good, they're doing really well, and then they relapse. So, but in relation to mental health um, and taking one's own life, it can describe someone who is comforted or relieved by their plan to actually mm -hmm. go through with the act. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone who's been exhibiting all these signs, these changes in behavior, has been doing all these different things, has been kind of manic and all over the place or feeling like they're a burden, and then all of a sudden they feel better, that's a red flag. That's like a huge red flag. And mm -hmm. you that's an immediate- kind of like that. Yeah, the, the weight is lifted off their shoulders yep. or something. And they yeah, have a plan, yeah. they're gonna do it that's an immediate red flag. That person needs immediate help. You need to check on them. And it's, it's better. And they say this in the spaces of trafficking as well. It's better to be paranoid than dead. So it's better to be paranoid and have somebody crisis person reach out to this person than have them actually go through with it. Mm -hmm. um, so how to get that person help? Um, obviously, you know, not just the pink clouding situation, but any of these situations, if you're genuinely concerned that somebody is imminently going to take their life, Call nine one one. That is that is an emergency. Well, yeah, well check. Yeah. You know, or, or beforehand, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and I think that's the trick. Is there's 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 sadly a lot of situations where uh, somebody does take their life, mm -hmm. and the first thing everybody says is, "I wish I would have known," or yeah. you know, like then they start thinking back. But it's it's difficult when that person is, "Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine," yep. or whatever. You know, again, they're they're withdrawing, they're doing all of these things, um, but. But do you have any advice as far as um, what do you do if somebody just keeps denying that they need help? You know, it's 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 different with everybody. I mean, it's really really hard if you have if you have a friend, for example, like I was I was this person, so I can speak to me. People, I did have people in my life who were checking in with me mm -hmm. every single time they checked in with me. I felt like it was pushing me further and further into it because I didn't want to talk about it. I wasn't ready for it. So I think I think you have to be careful not to be you you have Pushing. to balance mm -hmm. yeah you have to balance really being concerned with about this person and getting them the help that they need with pushing them further into it and maybe further away from you or further right. away from help. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say a case by case basis, but if being there for that person in general and letting them know that you are a safe person mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. to kind of confide in or if they needed something, if you're comfortable doing that. Of course, mm -hmm. we understand that if there's people who are, you know, if, for example, addiction, you, you might not want, if you know, that person to be in your house shooting up heroin, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, so mm -hmm. it's case by case basis. Honestly, um, the best place to start if you need advice for yourself even is is to, to talk to the crisis people. Mm -hmm. So we have, well, Again, we'll put all this information up. Um, and it's it's also under, I believe, mental health and addiction. If you go to doseofunity.com, mm -hmm. again, slash take action, um, the 988 
call 988. You can call or even text, text or know, so. chat online mm-hmm. on their website. Mm-hmm. And they do have, I think they have a quick close. Maybe they don't, but um, that's that's a resource for you. It's a suicide, can't say that, unaliving and crisis uh, lifeline that you can call 24-7, mm-hmm. 365. It's always there. There's also another crisis text line. Um, and you can just text hello to 741-741. So those are, those are good resources. Of course, you probably have local chapters of various, organization, mm-hmm. um, various organizations. I know NAMI has some chapters around. Mm-hmm. Um, is it SAM? I can never remember that acronym. Yeah, yeah. It's you know on our information. Yeah. I know what you mean. That, um, yeah, and it's, but there's a, there's a lot. And, you yeah. know, even, even prior to that, in, as far as, you know, somebody who's mm-hmm. trying to reach out and help help their friend or their loved one, even, even a text to say, Hey, I just want, you know, I love you. I mm-hmm. um, am here for you um, at any point or, you know, letting them know when they're ready, mm-hmm. you know, to talk that, like you said, they're a safe person. Um, and just, I think that's the thing that, that stood out to me too, is uh, the, the training I had with, um, with this was also reminding them of those in their family mm-hmm. that love them. And, uh, and also kind of putting, putting that person in your shoes. Like if, yeah. if this was the tables were turned and I was the one who was um, feeling this way and, and going through this, um, imagine if that was the case, if, um, if I wasn't here anymore or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes that helps the person to look at it differently and realize that there is nothing. Mm-hmm. Somebody, if you care and love somebody, there's nothing that person could do or not do that's going to ever change how they feel about them, that, you know, they, they want them to be in this world and in their life. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's also important uh, when we're switching, you know, kind of talking about if you are somebody who's going through mental health challenges, what's important for you to know. And uh, some of the things that have come up that have been helpful for folks are uh, for them to realize that this does not define you. I mean, look at how amazing <laughs> this woman is here. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> thank God she thank is you. here, you know, and you mean you are a rock star. I always thank tell you, you that in so many ways and um, just such a gift to so many people. And, but, you know, so, so that piece is, is one piece of, of somebody. And so whether it's their mental health or whether it's addictions, again, that is one piece of, of the whole picture. We all have our stuff that we go through in life that um, we might not be proud of. But, Mm -hmm. and then I think too, hopefully that this is a, uh, something that more and more people know, but you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. There, there are a lot of people who, who struggle. And I think that's another thing I've heard is people who, who finally do share like you just did. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be more people that say, wow, I never knew that I went through the same thing. I struggled too. And then you kind of realize, and, I've heard this too, where somebody puts someone up on a pedestal and uh, they think, oh, well, I'm, I see myself this way and I'm not as whatever. And they put this person on a pedestal and they realize this person that they thought was on a pedestal is saying, I struggle exactly the same way. You oh know, my gosh. I Actually, hear that all the time. That's yeah. Really, really poignant because I think people who know me who are watching this and who knew me at that point may not even have known that I was going through that. Mm-hmm. And I was, I mean, some of them of course were heavily involved in what I was doing, but there's a lot of people I knew at that time, including probably my parents. I mean, my parents probably know more than I think they know. <laughs> they always do. But um, there's a lot of, it, it might not look 
the way you think it's going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, you might feel alone or feel that the person next to you, oh, they have such a perfect life or whatever, but it, mental health and addiction doesn't have a face. Oh it gosh, does it, not it does face. impact everybody. So yeah, you, you mm-hmm. really truly are not alone, even if you, you're looking around and you feel that everybody around you is perfect. And I think social media makes that, it, it makes that so hard. That, so we yeah. under, we 100% it, it, well, understand. You don't post right. the negative stuff, right? All the oh, time. Exactly. You just post, you know, mm-hmm. here, I'm on, a, I'm on a boat, look at this. And then they don't see like right before you yeah. <laughs> did that, you know, the crazy that went on, you know, mm-hmm. before and after, but uh, you know, in the same token, I think there are more people that are being more mm-hmm. open about oh, it too, yes. which is really helpful. Uh, but again, it's, for, for people who are going through this as well as their loved ones, uh, friends and family, it does really go back to you have to be ready, you know, to help yourself and um, make a decision to take, to take those steps mm-hmm. and you can believe in yourself. And in the other thing, so this is the wisdom that I offer at my age is once you get to be my age, you really just don't care about what other people think. Um, at least... We, we try, right? But yes. it's like, I think that's that's a big problem, you know, too. Oh, yeah. People are afraid to say, okay, this is really how I'm feeling. Uh, but if you don't really care what others think and own it, right? Mm-hmm. And again, the other, you'll realize that more people come, come forward and say, thank you so much for sharing because I've been struggling as well. And so, um, yeah, it's uh, all of those things are are important to keep in mind. And then the other thing too, that, that we found can be very helpful. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this is, is trying to have a consistent schedule. If you're somebody who's going through these, these struggles. So even if it's something that you're only going to work part time, you know, because you're, you're really in a deep place or oh, yeah. dark place, doing something to get out of bed in the morning to do something, whether it be even volunteering or working oh. or something that is consistent. Mm -hmm. So consistency coming up with a consistent schedule. So you kind of know what to do. Okay. Just do the next best thing and, you know, keep taking a step at a time and remembering that, um, this too will pass. I know these are cliche, but it's so true though. These two will pass one day at a time. They're cliche because they're true. They're so true. One step at a time. I've told people one hour at a time, you know, and just do for 10 minutes, just Mm -hmm. do something just to ride that wave, get, get past and push through that really dark place. Um, and so, so do you have any other thoughts on if you love someone with mental health challenges as far as how to, how to help them? Yeah, honestly, I, I first and foremost believe in them, believe that they, they can overcome those things. I've heard a lot of people, especially some of those people who are the sticklers, the harder kind of whatever that nobody Mm -hmm. changes. That's just who they are. They're crazy. They're whatever. No, people have the capacity for, for change. Mm-hmm. And if, if they want to, if they truly genuinely want to change, because again, we, can't, we cannot force people. We, we can't browbeat people into going to therapy or going to recovery um, because it's not going to last. So believe in them. Show them that you believe in them. Make sure they know that you're there for them and that you know that they can change and that they're, they're a human. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're a human being. Um, yeah, and and like you kind of touched on, just remind them that they are more than what they're struggling with. It, it's we we are so unique as human beings. We're sentient. We get to have this experience, and that's a, an experience that we all share. I know we all go through different situations in life, um, but that is but a part of 
who they are. That's part of their story. That's part of their journey. Um, and remind them then who they are mm-hmm. apart from their mental health. You know, I, you know, how I, how I see you like, Oh, Diane, you are such a loving, caring, gentle, compassionate human being. And I thank you for being here. Even just that, even just, mm. you don't have to mention their mental health status, you know, or their right, addiction. Right. Like, I wish you didn't do, no, mm-hmm. you didn't, you don't have to oh, do that. Gosh, just true. remind them who, who they, they are. are. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you're so smart. Gosh, you're so creative. I love being around you. You're so funny. Just any of these, any of these genuine mm-hmm. compliments, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to throw things out that maybe aren't true just to make people feel better because that really does come off disingenuous. And I can tell you that people, even in people, especially people who struggle with mental health, people who lied to me, I knew it right away because I didn't feel that way about myself. So if people who know you, people who know the things that make you Mm -hmm. feel more like you, Mm -hmm. um, just be that person for somebody. Mm -hmm. And then something I thought about that, if you're watching, you saw me type, um, something that really did help me was positive people in my life bringing me around other positive people. Yeah. If yeah. it's safe uh, to do that. Yeah. Um, and I will say if it's safe to do that, because there were some times that I was, if I was manic, it was not safe to do that. But I did have positive people in my life who were willing to not like, let's go get a drink. Cause they knew that that was going to spiral me out of control. Um, it was, let's get some coffee. Let's mm-hmm. go have some breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're feeling up to it, Oh, I'd like to take you, let's go to the library even just yeah, like whatever for a walk or whatever, yeah, sit in the mm-hmm. park, whatever it was. Um, and then they'd bring other people around me that were those types of people. And we'd ended up talking. Mm-hmm. And then what was interesting is as my friend group kind of evolved and changed and I was around more positive people, I left my job. That was a job that was highly toxic. I was around a lot of people that, um, and this is no knock to those people because I'm still, you know, acquaintances with those people and they're very good people. Um, I was just, it was a bad environment for me personally Mm -hmm. to be in. It was a, a way for me to, because of the shift that I work specifically, it was a way for me to excuse some of the bad Mm -hmm. behaviors Mm -hmm. that I had. Um, so it was purely a me thing. It was just a toxic environment for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I learned a lot. I, I appreciate the time that I spent with so many of those people. And I learned a lot from those people. Um, but I was around people from church. I was around people from outside spaces. So it wasn't connected to those bad behaviors. So I was Mm -hmm. able to chunk away at disconnecting. So if Mm -hmm. you're able to, and if it's safe, if you're a positive person and you're, you know, somebody who, who feels comfortable and confident, um, in really taking this person kind of under Mm -hmm. your wing and and helping them bring them around your positive people. If you Mm -hmm. have, people who are like you. And we have a huge network of people who we know that are unifying um, spirits and we love them. And there's plenty of people around um, the community. There's, you know, different places in, in your in your area, rec centers, plenty of places that you can reach out to. I know that that's, that's something that's become way more uh, normal now, um, especially since COVID. People really, really do need that connection. So, find find those places um around you and 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 help guide them to those places Mm -hmm. so um so how how can we take care of ourselves in the process of all of this yeah um now in this case are we talking about for the person who loves them right yeah so the person who cares about the person who's going through the mental health. I think on our notes, I wasn't clear on that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but but you know, when you're when you're trying to help somebody, 
you have to be gentle with yourself and not to forget your own self-care when you're trying to, it sometimes can feel like you're trying to save yes. somebody you care about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a one friend who opened up to me about something really, really dark and deep. And um, um, you know, to your point, you know, I, I, she saw me as a positive person mm -hmm. um, that she could talk to, but we tried to, I tried to bring her into mm -hmm. environments that were positive um, while also drawing boundaries, you yeah. know, oh, so understanding yeah. where her temptations might be and yeah. things like that. Like you said, coffee is better than going out for drinks or something right. like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then just be a little selfish about the different ways that you can be healthy to take care of yourself. You know, mm -hmm. that's okay. Just don't be pushing yourself so hard all the time. And mm -hmm. because you can't take care of that person you care about or be there for them if you're not there for yourself. Absolutely. And then also going to counseling yourself um, mm -hmm. is helpful because if you go to counseling, they can frame what your friend or loved one is going through a little bit better. So you can um, help. I've heard stories where um, some people really are taking that hard approach and this, they're, t they're doing it all wrong or snap out of it mm -hmm. or not validating or um, understanding that that person is struggling yeah. like, because they don't understand it. But, um, but then talking to others, you know, too, that have gone through loving somebody with uh, a mental health addiction challenge. Um, mm -hmm. Al-Anon is a resource mm -hmm. that is yep. out there all over the place. And, uh, yep. and again, you know, you know that faith is something that we have in common. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. It's amazing to me how how many people of faith or faith environments are so um, open hearted and open open armed about mm -hmm. bringing people in that have struggled. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that stereotypically, oh, you know, they, some of these Christians out there that are waving their finger. You know, and some do, and some do, but for that's sure. again, find your fit, find you know, your don't fit. generalize exactly. and say, Oh, all Christians are like that. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely not the case. Well, and it's, it's amazing. I went to, uh, I this is a few years ago. I just, I was speaking at a church, um, and it was, they did a lot with people who struggle with addiction. Mm -hmm. And I talked to one of these ladies who was just lovely. And she said that they saved her life. She said they, op they welcomed her in mm -hmm. with open arms mm -hmm. and they just loved her. They didn't care about her past or or the fact that she was um, going through addiction challenges. And she, they just loved her. They just loved her as a human being. And so for her, that changed her, her total life. She went through a complete transformation, and now she turns around and helps other people who struggle. several churches that um, partner with local you know, mental health advocacy groups or with psychiatrists, psychologists, other counselors, social workers, and they have dedicated nights um, or even substance abuse, substance abuse counselors, they have dedicated nights every week that they're like, if you have a problem, it's, it's basically like, you know, a big circle of people. And they're mm -hmm. not, what they're not doing is they're not saying, well, Jesus can love you out of this. Right. It's, it's, we're going to mm -hmm. use the tools that God gave us, the resources that we know that help these psychiatrists, these, these behavioral health people, these substance abuse counselors, and we're going to give a safe space for you to be able to come and just get help, mm -hmm. just get help. It's really, you know, I, I know that a lot of people think that the minute you walk through the doors of a church, you're just globbed on to by all the Christian people who are like, leave them God. And that's, I, it's just, it's not like that. Of course, I've, I've been to lots of different churches and stuff. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of uh, some churches who have a, 
a more passionate crowd of people. There was actually one church I went to for the very first time um, when we lived uh, in a separate place uh, or in a different state. The minute we walked in, we had people inviting us to their cookouts. We had, it was just a very different, but it was friendly. It was warm. Um, my husband Gentlemen. and I were both like, whoa, okay, a lot. But um, we started leaning into that more and it just felt really good. It felt like a family. It felt like fellowship. It felt safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I would not shy away from any of those resources or any of those programs simply because it's in a church. Um, people of faith, you know, we're, we're taught to, to do outreach, mm-hmm. to love, mm-hmm. to love people. It's not just, Oh, the secular world and the Christian world have to our oil and water. We really want to help, you know, guide people in, in their, in their struggles and their journeys, because most of us in, in, in this faith-based space have our own testimonies. Oh yeah. I, I'm We're obviously one of those people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and it's amazing to me, even on Sunday, cause we have at our, our church um, and a lot of churches do this, that they have dedicated testimonials. They have, you know, a, a new congregation member or just, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's been there for a while, come up on stage and tell their testimonies. And some of these people oh, yeah. were just lost as I was, if not more, you know, the, the heavily tattooed biker guy who comes up and is like, I was doing this, this, and this. And now he's, you know, completely a changed person. And it's incredible to me. And that speaks to the capacity for change. And it's not mm-hmm. just, you know, changing because of faith. It's just a capacity to change as human beings. We mm-hmm. are all, whether you're religious or not, we're all capable of that same change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, I think that that is an assumption a lot of people make and they don't realize that, uh, there's a lot of people who just meet them where they are. I know there was a gentleman in our church too, that shared his story and, uh, yeah, without going too deep on that, but yeah, he just, wow. Like, so these people, so they're not judging me. They actually are loving me where I am and they're just surrounding me with, Mm -hmm their presence and their positivity. And uh, yeah, so in, and he did are. a testimony as well, you know, for, Truly. in our church, come as you are. Yeah, absolutely. Come as you are. Yeah. Um, well, and so what, yeah, I want to ask you <laughs> what has helped you? Cause we did talk about me a lot. <laughs> so what's helped you in your struggle? I know you have loved ones, um, but what advice do you have? I guess from that angle, cause we did talk mm-hmm. about that angle um, well, and, or even yeah, in your own both. personal things, if you wanted to, yeah, yeah. whatever you want to share. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I, for the most part, my adult life, um, I think because of my faith, Mm -hmm. I've been much better. There was a time, you know, when I was younger that, um, I, I just, I, I'm a little bit different. I always say, (laughs) and I'm okay with it now. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've been accused of walking by the beat of my own drum. Um, you know, uh, the mold thrown away, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm okay with it now. But when you're, you know, younger and, and uh, you're pushed out or teased or bullied and all that yeah. kind of stuff, um, I honestly just wanted to be an adult so badly. I did not want to go through high school. Uh, I yep. just wanted to jump over that because that was, dif- that was where I, it was difficult. You know, there was yeah. times where you know, in my yearbook, actually, one of my friends, thank God for her, had written, you can make it. Like, you've got yeah, four more days. She would do the countdown for me. You can make it. You can make it. Yeah. Not that I would have um, done anything really severe, but mm-hmm. it was it was really hard for me. Nobody, I don't think, knew, knew yeah. that during that time because I would always put on a smile on my face um, and fake it really well. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so, so advice on, um, on that part of it too. I mean, it's, it's, I think, you know, from loving other people too, mm-hmm. reminding them again, that doesn't, it doesn't, um, define them. Yeah. You believe in them, remind them who they are, um, before they didn't, you know, struggle. Cause a lot of times too, there, people are going through that because of what other people have done. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many times, like, for example, the, we, our last episode was dealing with trafficking and how many times uh, the people who've gone through trafficking uh, or been victims of trafficking, trying to help them to heal yeah. and uh, take care of themselves and uh, all of that, you know, being at the hands of, of another person yeah. is, uh, is really uh, difficult. So trying to just go through that journey of healing and um, getting help people and again. trusting people again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's hard. Um, so, you know, do you have any other uh, thoughts, um, parting thoughts on this as far as um, what's helped from someone who loves someone who struggles and vice versa? Any other things I, you can think of that weren't already mentioned? <laughs> no, I, I, it's hard because I was, I'm that person, I'm the person who struggled in like half of my people's, my, my surrounding people's story. So I, it's hard for me to see it. I mean, I, I certainly have loved people who have struggled like me. Um, but at that time I was also struggling. So I probably was not the best help. I well, I can assure you I was not the best help at all mm-hmm. um, for, for anybody aside from maybe telling them that I was, you know, a day behind them and that it gets better or whatever it is. But um, like I said, the, the best thing for me when I was there is just knowing that there was a safe person if I really did need it and when I was ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that is really good. Uh, well, so the, the resources yeah. that you'd mentioned are on our Dose of Unity website. Yep. And Slash uh, take action. It's our action page. Um, we're going to post different issues that we talk and uh, talk about and um, the different resources connected to those. These are national resources. Um, if you know us personally, there's not going to be any local resources, um, but the, the national resources are very important. They're very buttoned up mm-hmm. um, and often they, they are connected to local chapters, like I had mentioned. So wherever you're at in your area, um, start there and you'll, you'll get a good feel for what's around you specifically. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, yeah. Um, like, comment, share, <laughs> subscribe, follow, do all the things. Um, and then just one last challenge for you, just a little walking away homework um, that I just thought of, something that uh, helpful was helpful to me um, while I was recovering from all of these things. I like to say one nice thing about myself in the mirror every morning. It's super corny, um, <laughs> but it sets the tone for my day. Just mm-hmm. one nice thing. Even if I don't believe it myself, I tell my brain to believe it. So Yeah, just, that's true. Your hair looks really good this morning, Capriana. It does. Really nice, you know, so it's, it's just anything that's just like, wow, I want to start loving myself again. So anyway. Yes, yes, yes. that is true. That is true. So, well, thank you again thank for you. joining us. We'll Appreciate see you on the next one. All righty. Bye, everyone. See ya.